What? It's not any donut. There are rainbow donuts. Any rainbow donut fans out there? Ah, somebody, somebody in first service told me that they drove, uh, they, they'll drive 10 miles out of the way just to have a rainbow donut. Mmm. Wow. That was a good donut, I must say. You guys take a look at this. Does that look good? By the way, Rainbow Donuts has paid no promotional um, advertising fees to us. This is all courtesy. Anybody want, anybody want a donut? Who'd like a donut? This is church. You guys can't have a donut in church. Unbelievable. You, oh, man, no. These are my donuts. Um, I plan to have some of these throughout the week. Um, they are really good. Michael Fay told me about these donuts. He's our missions pastor, and uh, he told me they were good. And not only did he tell me they were good, he actually brought me some. So these are my donuts, and they are very good. Now, now here's the thing. We're talking about this series called Viral. And, um, and one of the things about Viral is that we share things that bring us joy, that bring us laughter, dogs eating breakfast with a Wisconsin hoodie on. I mean, why does that go viral? Why does that get shared? Why does that get passed along? Because it makes us laugh. It brings us joy, it brings us meaning, maybe not that video, but the kinds of things that we do share. And so even like with these donuts, I mean, these donuts apparently have changed Michael Fay's life. <laughs> and, um, and he's a connoisseur of these kinds of things. And so uh, when he recommended these and, and then brought me some, I, I'm a believer now. And uh, they, are, they are very good. And we share the things that are important to us. We share the things that, again, that just bring us joy in life. And we had the whole staff over our house uh, last night and... And, you know, we were just hanging out and enjoying time together and having conversation. And it's amazing that when you get together, what, is the, what are the things that you talk about? You talk about the things that, that bring you joy, the things that make you laugh, the shared experiences that we have, the things that move us. And, and so we interact and engage with one another. And, and in this series, we're talking about viral. What does it look like for our faith to be contagious, to go viral? And we're wrapping up this series today. We've been talking about it for several weeks as, as we're looking at this book of Acts, which is the first book it's, it, it, that talks about where the church began after Jesus Christ and, and how he then entrusted the message to the, the church and, and it began to spread. And so in Acts chapter 1, where we began in, in the first week, is uh, Jesus is telling them, look, wait here. He was telling them, wait in Jerusalem. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come. And when the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to receive power and you will be my witnesses you're going to tell people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, which is the city where they were, in Judea, the neighboring town, Samaria, farther than that, and to the ends of the earth. Now think about it when he was sharing this message. He was sharing this message with first the 12 disciples, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12. So first row and a couple of you over here. That's it. There's 12 disciples, and then there were about 120 other believers. So let's take this section over here. And imagine hearing this message going, you're going to take this gospel now into this whole city, all of Phoenix. You're going to hit all of Phoenix. And then you're going to take it from here, and you're going to go into the neighboring towns. You're going to go to Tucson, into Flagstaff. You're going to go into Mexico, and then you're going to take it to the world. Does that seem intimidating? <laughs> I mean, at some level, you go, my, this is a huge task. And that's where it began, and somehow it began to spread quickly. The Holy Spirit did come, and we talked about it began to fill them, and they began to share the good news of Christ. And in that first day, a day of Pentecost, where the Holy Spirit filled the believers, 
It says 3,000 that day were saved and baptized. And all of a sudden, the message spread. And they began to gather as a church and try to figure out what it means to be the church and how to live together. And, and, they were, and, and amazing things were happening. And, and we talked about a story where they began to face opposition after a, a, a lame man was healed. And Pastor Jeff did a great job teaching us about last week what happens when we face opposition and, and how, do we, how do we overcome that. And then it says in that passage, it said, and the number of believers at that point totaled 5,000 plus women and children. So thousands by this point are just beginning to, to hear the good news of Christ. And so we've been talking about this series and saying, what would it look like for our church to be viral, for the faith to be viral? And I believe it is. I believe it is contagious. I believe that's why we're here. And what began 20 years ago with a handful of people has become hundreds of people. And the reason we're planning multiply is we believe that God is continuing to expand our footprint and our reach and saying hundreds more, thousands more will be reached. And, and how does that happen? Now, we've been challenging very specifically over these last several weeks to say, God wants to use us. It's not about some marketing scheme. It's not about some great advertising thing. It's about God using people to share their, their story with others. And next Sunday, Easter Sunday, we're making room over that weekend for over 2,000 people to come. Will that many come? I don't know. It's going to depend on who you bring. It's going to depend on who I invite, who's going to sit with us, how are we going to get, get the word out. It's the one Sunday of the year where it should be the easiest Sunday ever to invite somebody to church because people come to church, go to church on Easter Sunday. Now granted, a lot of them go because mom wants them to go. A lot of them go because there's going to be a good Easter brunch afterwards. Some of them go because it's tradition. Some of them go because their spouse you know, is kind of forcing them to go. doesn't matter for me. <laughs> doesn't matter for us. We have an opportunity. Actually, that's great. It's an opportunity that, that if you would share with others to come, I believe they'll come. Thanks for asking me. If, uh, if, if uh, Michael would have said, hey, you want to go and get some donuts together? What would I have said? <laughs> Absolutely. Let's go. I'll go with you. Let's go get some donuts together. Like, let's share what we have. And so we put this challenge out there. Pray for opportunities. And, and we've given you some of these Easter invite cards, or at least an opportunity for you to say, hey, if you come, by the way, here's a reminder of, of some of the times. Um, if you want to find out a little bit more, you can hand these out. Now, here's the reality. I, I, I get a sense that this kind of series and this kind of message um, makes, makes us a little uncomfortable. Anyone? Anyone make you a little, a little uncomfortable? Whenever you're kind of told to get, uh, told, told to go out and share your faith, but talked about and challenged to, to go share with others, invite others. It's always like, it seems to be one of the harder things to do for followers of Christ, and sometimes I wonder why. But at the same time, I realize my own struggle in that at times, and to know that, that how do I change, you know, move this conversation, or how do I invite this person, and then I check it out at the end. But maybe we wonder and we think, man, that feels kind of like, you know, corporate or marketing or advertising, we're trying to invite people, that's just not me, I'm just going to, you know, just going to be in relationship with people and then I'll share my faith. Perfect! <laughs> Actually do that. Or maybe that's the job of the staff. That's why we, we pay a staff at the church. You guys do that. <laughs> I just want to come to church, I want to worship, it's good for me, but, but I don't know about others. You know, in this world, in this day and age, it's a little uncomfortable, you shouldn't talk about, you know, politics and religion, and so what you believe is fine and it's just not appropriate and I, I don't want to go there. We face this tension, but what I think links all of these together is fear. There's some level of fear that creates some anxiety, and some of that might be like, I don't know if I'm going to bumble over my words. I don't know if I'm going to be rejected. I don't know what people will think about me. I don't want to be turned down. I don't know what those fears are, but I think those are some of the things that we deal with, and we're going to talk about that today. But, but I also 
like I said, deal with some of those anxieties and those challenges. But, but careful, be careful when you pray for opportunities. Pray for an opportunity for God to, to give you a chance to share with somebody. I was uh, traveling last weekend. I wasn't here. I was on my way to uh, Dayton, Ohio, where I, I coach um, these uh, young church planters. And by the way, these, these guys, uh, it's Hopeland Church, and, and there's uh, Chris and Eric, Jason and Bob. These young guys, are, they're in their uh, 20s and early 30s. And these guys have a desire with their wives that they are starting a church. And they want to reach 20-somethings. And they want to do it in an edgy way, in a, in a modern way. And you know what? That's tough. And here's the thing. None of them are theologically trained. None of them are paid staff. They are all volunteers. They all have full-time jobs and careers. And here on the side, they are so passionate about sharing the gospel of Jesus that they are willing to work 40 to 50, 60 hour weeks at their jobs. They have tough jobs that they're working. And then they come in the evenings and the weekends and they will be there till like 1 o'clock at different times because they are going to get this church off the ground and they have a, a passion to share the good news of Christ. And it's inspiring. It's a joy to be a part of that, to help them in different ways. But I come back going, man, I, I take so much from that. And I think, man, how much more could I do? To advance the cause of Christ. And so I was on my way there to, to spend uh, the weekend with them on site. And on my way, I, I had a, my last flight was from Dallas to, to Dayton. And it was an evening flight. I was set to get in about 11.15 in, in the evening. And so it was going to be one of these deals where I just want my window seat. I'm going to kind of chill out, maybe read a little bit, and just kind of start getting some rest. So I get on the plane, and, and uh, you know, they, they announced it's going to be a full flight, so just store everything, get it all out of the way, and, you know, get, get buckled in. So I, I find my row. There's a lady sitting in the middle seat. The first seat's empty. There's the lady, and, and so she gets up. I get over my window seat and buckle in and, and exchange some, some pleasantries and kind of get, get to know each other just a little bit. And, and as, we're, as we're talking, I, I noticed the little, you know, jolt, and the plane moved, and I was looking out the window. I'm like, oh, we're, we're, we're getting ready to go. And I look over next to her. Nobody in that seat. Now, if you travel, what does that mean? What's the, what's the, what are you supposed to do when you're two strangers, window middle, and the aisle seat is open? What, what is the middle person supposed to do? <laughs> we all know this, except for Myrna. <laughs> um, <laughs> Myrna did not know this. And, uh, and so I tried to hint, like, hey, look, like, full flight, but we got lucky. There's nobody there. And then she said, well, um, I was going to tell you about that, but I figured you'd sit on either side. So she, she didn't get it. But... Um, <laughs> So she stayed there. She just she sat there, and uh, we continued to talk. And and then she had this. Uh, she asked this question that that I don't. I can't speak for every pastor, but I think most pastors dread this question uh, in this kind of setting. It's, what do you do? As pastors, believe it or not, we don't like to, to to disclose this information. Not because we're ashamed of what we do. It's just it takes a lot of explanation, and it makes people. They look at you like you're a third sex. There's there's male, there's female, and there's pastor. Like I just don't know what to do with you. And then they, some get freaked out because now they're like in you know a captivated a captive audience, right? You're playing for two hours, and they'll shut you out. And and others will 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 talk your ear off and want to ask a lot of questions. And and Myrna had a lot of questions. Sweet. Sweet lady, a great lady, but she began to ask all kinds of questions. Questions about faith. Questions about what's the difference between Catholics and Protestants? What about, what, I don't understand the Holy Spirit. Can you explain the Holy Spirit to me? How can the Holy Spirit be in different places? And, and is Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit and the, I'm like, and the it's, there's this concept of the Trinity and, and I'm trying to explain that. I'm, I feel myself like bumbling through this going, God, help me to try to make this clear. And then she's like, well, well, what about reincarnation? And okay, it was, and so we talk about that. Well, what about aliens? And 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 how do you feel about that? And, 
and, and she, again, she was really hungry, sweet, wanting to learn, and, and, and uh, anyway, we spent the full two hours, and, uh, you know, we arrived there, and, and, and it's just a reminder to me, though, where we're going, God, I, I don't always feel equipped, I don't always feel prepared, I don't always know how to share, but I just pray, God, would you just use what it is that I'm saying in this moment to give me the right words, because we have opportunities, there are people around us, and she just reminded me, there are people with so many questions, and I believe some of you that are here this morning uh, have questions. I hope we all continue to ask questions, and that we come to a place like this where we can turn to God's word, where we can find truth, where we can find answers, where we can say, hey, I don't know the answer, but let's look at it together. And so God wants to use us to find ways and opportunities to share wherever we are, in our homes, in our churches, in our church, you know, with the people around us wherever God places us. And so we want to look today at a story in Acts as we wrap up this series about overcoming this fear and, and what God can do when we push through that uh, to, to really share the good news of Christ. So let's pray and then we'll jump into Acts chapter 5. Heavenly Father, it's uh, great to, to just take some time out of our week to be in this place and to, to open our hearts to your word, to open our hearts to your spirit as we worship. And, and Father, I pray that you would just move through us this morning inspire us, challenge us, and just uh, help us to experience your love and truth. In Jesus' name, amen. So in Acts chapter 5, we're, uh, we're looking at another story here, and, and just kind of setting the stage is that the, the, the people that have now been coming to faith, and Peter and the apostles, they would gather in the temple. Now the temple was at the center of the city. In center of Jerusalem, it was the center of public life. It was actually a very public place, even though religious activity would happen there. There were different stages of the temple. There were outer courts and inner courts, but it really was the hub of activity, and they would gather there. And, and as we read in Acts chapter 5, verse 12, it says, Meanwhile, the apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. And what it's saying there, and then in verse 14 it says this, And more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord, crowds of both men and women. And so again, this idea of viral, the, the, it, Acts continues to throw these little passages and little scriptures and these little cues in that say, it's spreading. The gospel continues to spread. It's moving out in greater and greater circles, and it's, it's moving out that more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord, crowds, both men and women, because amazing things were happening in that place. And, and when amazing things happen, when people's lives are healed, when transformation happens, it begins to draw a crowd. I mean, why are you here this morning? Nobody's paying you to be here. Nobody put a gun to your head to be here, I hope. <laughs> Why do you come? We come because we feel like God does something here. There's a power when we come together as, as, as people seeking truth and seeking Christ's presence. When we worship and, and we're reminded of who Christ is. When, when, we, when we put our lives uh, at, at the feet of the truth of the gospel and, and examine ourselves through God's word. And we begin to make changes and, and we pray together and we, we have relationships and friends with, with, with each other here. God changes and transforms us. And that's why I believe more and more people hunger for that and long for that. That's why we're here. And I believe others want to see that too. And so that's what was happening. Crowds were coming and people were gathering. Now they have opposition. In verse 17 it says this, The high priest and his friends, who were Sadducees, reacted with violent jealousy. Now, Sadducees, just so you know, these were the, the priests and the leaders of the law, religious law, who did not believe in the uh, resurrection of the dead. They didn't believe people would, would resurrect to life. So they obviously struggled with this whole idea of the, of the believers talking about that Jesus is actually alive, that he resurrected. And so they're observing all these things that are happening and the crowds that are coming, and they react with violent jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in jail. <laughs> 
So imagine today, I'm in the middle here of teaching, and uh, talking about Jesus, and Joe just, you know, and the band led us in worship, and right now some, some people come marching through the doors, armed guys, put me in cuffs, <laughs> right, lock me up, begin to drag me out, they take the, everyone out of here, and saying, that's it, you guys are done, we're arresting you. We don't face that kind of opposition. We don't face those kind of challenges here. But they happen in this day, in this age, in this world, in different places, where if you profess your faith, you may quite literally lose your head. And it's a serious situation. What would happen? How would you react if I was arrested and the staff was arrested because we're the leaders of the church here and, and, and we're teaching this stuff? Would you come back next week? Hmm... Now it gets a little uncomfortable, doesn't it? Would you come back? I mean, you don't want to get arrested. But why do you do, handle that? Well, the, do you think fear gripped this group of people? Was there an element of going, this is, this is, our life is on the line for this stuff. What do we do and how do we respond? So the apostles are arrested and they're put in jail. And then something happens. That night, it says an angel came and freed them from the jail. And he gave them this message. He told them, go to the temple and give the people this message of life. Go to the temple and give the people this message of life. So the apostles entered the temple about daybreak and immediately began teaching. Now, it was a pretty miraculous thing that an angel came and freed them. I'll admit, that's pretty, that's pretty crazy. If that happened, I'd be like, woo, man, we're invincible. Like, this, is, this is awesome. But the, the, the message that the angel told them is, give these people the message of life. He's saying, look, you, you have this message. Now give this to the people that needs to get to other people. This is your responsibility. This is your calling. It echoes what Jesus said in the Great Commission in Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and know that I'm with you always. Right? Teach them to obey and know that I'm with you. He's saying, go and make disciples. So they're following this mandate to go and, and so that you have this message of truth. And look how the disciples responded. So they entered what? The temple. What did I say earlier? It's the most public place. So they went right back into the most public, visible place, the temple. When did they do it? After they slept in? After they debated for several hours? I don't know, should we do this? Like, I don't know, this is going to be bad. At daybreak, like, oh, there's the sun. We're out of here. We're going to the most public place. And once they're there, did they, did they think about it? Like, I don't know, guys, should we start talking about Jesus? Or let's just talk about good morals and some stuff. What should we talk about? Immediately, they began teaching. There's not a hesitancy that they understood, this is what we've got to be about. Now, meanwhile, back at this morning at the other, the other place where the council was gathering, the, they were gathering back together, now the people that had arrested them, and they were going to begin to kind of do a, a trial for them. And so they began to gather, gather together, and they... Um, and they tell the, the, the guards to go, go get Peter and the apostles and bring them in here for questioning. He leaves, and, and, and when he comes back, he comes in, he says, they're gone. They're not here. They, they left the jail, and oh my. Now the, now the, 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 the Pharisees and others were going, this, this isn't good. This doesn't look good. Where could they be? What's happening? What's going on? How could they escape jail? Then somebody else comes running in, and he said, you know those men that you arrested? They're back at the temple. Right where you arrested them last time. They're teaching in the name of Jesus again. And so they had them arrested again. A second time now. Arrest them and bring them back, they said. 
And after they brought them back, it says in verse 27, then they brought the apostles in before the council. And here's what they said. Didn't we tell you never again to teach in this man's name? They had told them this earlier, but they're kind of refusing to listen here. And then he says this. Instead, you have filled all Jerusalem with your teaching about Jesus, and you intend to blame us for his death. That lion, you have filled all of Jerusalem with your teaching. What was that first challenge that came out in Acts chapter 1, verse 8? You will be my witnesses where? Jerusalem. That was the first part. That was their city. That was their place. And here, a few chapters later, we have somebody else that's giving a witness testimony to this and saying, you guys have already filled this entire city with Jesus' teaching. Your word is getting out. You just aren't being quiet about this. And I wonder what that would look like for us to say that our mandate is to fill all of Scottsdale and Fountain Hills and Cave Creek and North Phoenix and this entire valley with the message of Jesus. That people would say, there's no doubt about it. This church speaks the truth and believes in Jesus and there's life change that's happening here. And so this is what they tell them. And then Peter and the apostles replied in verse 29, we must obey God rather than human authority. And then they tell him about Jesus and, and just this, uh, that, that he's been raised to life. And he says, we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit who is given by God to those who obey him. And so they're saying, look, we're not going to obey you. You keep telling us not to talk in Jesus' name, but we're going to keep doing it. We're witnesses to these things, and we need to obey God rather than man. And at that, they said this, at this, the high council was furious and decided to kill them. This is not a good weekend, is it? I mean, two arrests threatened to be killed. Kind of sounds like a bad spring break weekend. And these guys are just trying to figure out what's going on. But they've been now threatened to be killed. And the, and the crowd's kind of rising against them. This council is getting ready just to throw the book at them and just get rid of these guys. Let's kill them off. And one man stands up, Gamaliel. He's uh, one of the Pharisees. He's a, one of the popular Pharisees. And he begins to say, hey, hold on, guys. Before you get crazy and kill these guys, and he said, get these guys out of here. And then he talks to the rest of the council. And he says, remember, there were a couple of other fellas. We better be careful with what's going on because there's a couple of other fellows that, that, that started, um, that had a following. One name was Theudas. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but it sounds good. Theudas, you say it with confidence and people think you know what you're talking about. Um, Theudas, yeah, that's it. He, he said he, was, he, had, he drew a following and, 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 and he started creating a stir, but then he was killed and the followers scattered and that was it. That was the end of the deal. He said, remember, and then there was this other guy from Galilee. Not Jesus. I know Jesus is from Galilee. There's another guy, Judas, from Galilee. He also drew a following of a few hundred people, and, uh, and, and he was kind of making a stir. And then remember, he was killed. And after he was killed, all of his followers were scattered, and it was the end. And, he's saying, and, and I wonder if he's starting to try to get the council to think in terms of, like, like, just hold on here. Jesus drew a following, and he was killed, but now the disciples aren't scattering. There's something going on, and... And we better be careful. What if we kill these guys and, 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 and this is really more, there's more to it than what we see. And he actually gives them this advice. He said, so my advice is this. Leave these men alone. If they are teaching and doing these things merely on their own, they'll soon be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to stop them. You may even find yourselves fighting against God. I think this is a great advice for us. When we try to do things in our own strength, it's going to die. It's going to come to an end. But if God is in it, if God is behind it, if God is inspiring, if God is using you, even though we bumble through our words and we're not sure what we're saying, we don't know how to talk to somebody, just tell them your story. Just let God use you and say, God, just, just use me. 
Maybe it's a family member, a friend, a coworker, a neighbor, and say, God, just, just use me. And if it's of God, he's going to allow it to multiply. It's not going to be able to be stopped. And as a church, if we keep focusing and doing the right things and focusing on Jesus and the truth of who he is and the life change that he brings, it's not going to be able to be stopped because the power of God continues to move it forward. So with this beautiful advice, the council <laughs> accepted his advice. They called the apostles back in and had them flogged. This is great, right? <laughs> flogged. I mean, that just sounds like a spanking, but they had them whipped. They had them beaten. We're going to drive this point home. You will not speak about Jesus anymore. You're done. We're not going to kill you, but we're going to let you remember why we don't want you speaking about Jesus. They had them flogged, and they received that ridicule and that punishment. The way they responded is, is amazing to me in verse 41. The apostles left the high council, how? <laughs> Rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. And every day in the temple and in their homes, they continued to teach and preach this message. The Messiah you are looking for is Jesus. Can you imagine getting whipped and getting beaten, arrested twice, scolded, ridiculed, and then going, man, if it's for the sake of Jesus, thank you, God. It's unbelievable to me. And I look at these guys and I think, man, and, and I'm afraid to go and invite a neighbor. I'm afraid to talk to, to somebody because I'm afraid of what they might say, what they might think about me. I'm embarrassed or I don't know what it is. And here are people who literally put their lives on the line. And it's not just their story. This is our story. These are, this is our lineage of faith of people who have put their lives on the line so that we could be here. People that have sacrificed so that we can sit in this place, so that we can hear the message. I didn't do anything to build this church. Not a lick. Not a thing, and yet I get to be here and get to share this message, but now I have the responsibility to say, where do we go from here? And what's my responsibility moving forward, both in this place and with reaching people, sharing the gospel, filling the city with the good news of Christ? And where did they do it? In the temple and in their homes. They understood it was in the public places, it was in the religious places, and it was in their homes. They took it everywhere. Now, these are good donuts, right? Beautiful donuts, good donuts. And I think sometimes, you know, we just keep some of the stuff to ourselves. In the church, I think there's a lot of us that are just uh, hoarding donuts. You know, this, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's an there's a experiencing of what God can do that changes people. And if, and if Michael would have just told, told me and, and described donuts, how much can I really enjoy a donut by a good description? I mean, it might make my mouth salivate, but I'm never really going to be able to then go to somebody else and go, i got to tell you about some amazing donuts I heard about, right? And then describe it to them. No, i gotta, I got to taste them. And one thing Michael realized was, i got to get you to, to taste them. And I'm going to take a step, and I'm going to go buy some donuts, and I'm going to bring them to you. This is act of taking the donuts, taking the goodness, taking Jesus to other people and saying, you know, it's not only about coming to church, it's not only what happens here, but it's where you go, take the donuts. But if he would have invited me to go, I would have gone too, right? Come and have a donut with me, come with me. By the way, if uh, the first person after worship who says, I want to go have donuts with you, I'll treat you to uh, rainbow donuts this next week, so just a standing offer, so catch me afterward, um, because it's a way that we get to experience that together. And, 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 and when you receive an invitation like that, how different is it? Come to church with me. Man, I love what God is doing there. He's changing my life. Like, man, you got to come. It's going to be great. 
have some great worship, we'll hear God's word, and then let's go out to have some brunch afterward. Who refuses that? That's you just sharing your, your story. But, but I think so many times in the church we do this. These are my donuts. They're good for me, and we're getting fat off donuts. I come to church every single week, and I'm going to have more donuts. I'm going to have more and more donuts, more and more Jesus, more and more worship, but off of me, me, me. So good. <laughs> Share the donuts. Share the donuts with others. Other people want to know the goodness of who Jesus is. They need to hear his truth. They need to be here. How many of you have been changed by what Jesus has done in your life? How many of you have been changed by what Jesus has done in your life? Now, some of you may not be raising your hand. That's okay because you're still here looking to see what God may do. Are other people that much different than you that have raised their hands here? No, they also need to hear the good news of Christ. We need to stop hoarding the donuts. We need to share the donuts. In Acts chapter 6, verse 7, we'll end the series here with this thought. As the story continues to unfold, it says this. It says, share your donuts. <laughs> It says, in Acts chapter 6, verse 7, it says, And the gospel was preached in ever-widening circles. The number of believers greatly increased. These ever-widening circles. It just continued to go. And that's our mandate. That's our call. That's our joy and our privilege to do that. And I pray that this week that God would give you the courage. That you would, that you would say, hey, come to church with me. I want you to taste and see what I experience and watch how God can use you to help change someone else's life. Let's stand together as we close and let's be in a position and a mindset to say, God, I give you everything. I want to share who you are. Jesus, give us today the courage and the boldness and the joy to let the world know who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. This song is, uh, that we're singing is...